Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Hear now the words of the Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Those are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. I was about 16 years old, and y'all know I grew up in St. Louis, and uh, 16 years old in high school at the time, I was in a touring choir in high school, uh, and we toured to different places, we did our thing, I was also on a football team, so don't look at me like that, um, but yeah, I, I was in touring choir, and uh, we had to audition to get in, and uh, so we, we, we were doing our thing in San Diego, California, right, um, we traveled to San Diego, and one of our main events on our tour of San Diego was we went to this marine base where they trained cadets to become marines. And uh, I just remember walking into the camp the very first day and just seeing these men, just getting glimpses of these men training to be warriors, to be fighters. And so we, as we walked into the chapel area where we would, for a couple hours, sing for several thousand, um, uh, several thousand uh, uh, cadets there in San Diego, it was a beautiful sight to see. Uh, these guys lace boots and fatigued out. Um, you could see the exhaustion on their faces. Uh, we sang for them for a couple hours in their chapel time. Uh, and I just remember thinking as even as we left that place and I saw the drill sergeant standing at the door waiting on these guys as soon as our time was up. I just remember thinking, um, man, these guys are giving up a lot. Um, these men are giving up a lot. They, they have to understand that they are fighting, they are preparing for something that is much greater than them. Right? These guys who give up time with their families, they blood, sweat, and tears. They labor hour upon hours in training uh, to become warriors. And they've got to understand that they are living for something. They're fighting, they're preparing and training for something that is much greater than they are. And I think that's what Paul is pointing us to in our text this morning. Uh, he's pointing us to this idea that the church of Rome in our text, he's directing them to this life that is much more greater than simply them. That's what Paul is going to point us to. In our time today, I'd like to investigate three ideas. The first is that we're to offer ourselves to God 
Secondly, we're to offer ourselves for the good of others. Lastly, I want us to see that we're to offer ourselves for the good of the church. I want to speak from the subject, living for more than you. But before we dive in, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the corporate worship of believers together. Thank you for corporate prayer. Thank you for corporate confession. I pray, God, that in this moment that you would be present with us. Holy Spirit, would you rest on us? Would you do work in our hearts and in our minds? Would you draw us closer to you? Father, thank you just for this time that we have together. I pray, God, that you would move me aside and that you would speak to us this morning, God. Father, you have not promised to bless my little words, Father, but you've promised to bless your word. So I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would do just that, Father. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been marching through uh, Romans uh, for some time now. And for the last several weeks, we've spent our time marching through Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. And what we ultimately discovered is that God is Lord over salvation and that He is sovereign, which means He has control over all things. We learned how God mysteriously saves us. And Paul, essentially, he gives us this rich, heavy doctrine of salvation. He describes to us that our righteousness can only be found by grace through faith and nothing else. And I love what Paul does here. He gives the church of Rome what they should know in hopes that they will be better prepared to be obedient to how they should live. And this isn't a foreign idea for Paul. He does the same thing in his letter to the church of Ephesus. In the first few chapters, he gives them doctrine. He gives them what they should know. And in the second three chapters, he gives the practical stuff, how they should live. And that's exactly what Paul does here in Rome. Romans chapter 12, Paul begins to transition from doctrine to how we ought to live. Um, This is real stuff. Paul wants us to know that. He transitioned us from all the lofty uh, theology and doctrines to the practical stuff, to how we ought to live. First, we've got to see that we're to offer ourselves to God. Look at verse 1 with me. From the start, Paul says... After I have laid all of this stuff out of you, he says, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. One of the things we've got to understand is that in the first century, um, sacrificing was a common thing. Uh, To sacrifice in the first century, folks would take animals and they would go to an altar that was prepared to their God. And they would offer this burnt sacrifice and the smoke and the aroma from this animal would be a pleasing savor, a pleasing scent, an aroma to the God that they worshipped. And so they would understand what, what Paul is talking about here when he's saying offer a living sacrifice. See, they would take something valuable and give it over, get this, in complete disposal to their God. So hear what Paul is saying. He's saying to the believers, present yourself 
for complete disposal as worship to the one true and the living God. You, uh, you and I need to know that our lives ought to be offered up. Our lives ought to be lived as an offering and offered up as a sweet savor to God. What Paul is pointing us to this morning, he's giving us this idea of we ought to be giving our full energy of life to God. The one who has trusted in Jesus belongs to God who makes being a living sacrifice our reasonable service. And essentially what Paul is saying is, it's the least you can do. It's your, your reasonable service, which helps us understand that there is no better alternative. And Paul is pointing us to that this morning. Paul knows, he knows that this is the Christian life. That every person that names the name of Jesus as Savior has to come into a place in which they acknowledge that the things of this world has nothing to offer them and they will always leave them empty. That's why Paul says in verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed, to, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't fall into the patterns of this world. He knows that we are always tempted to find satisfaction in the temporal things of this world. Paul knows that our natural inclination is to find hope in success, in wealth, in power, in sex, in the things of this world, in the approval of people. He knows that that, that's our natural inclination, is that we want to find our hope in the things of this world. Paul says, don't model your life after the things of this world. Rather, give your whole self... Give your whole self over to God. And it's immeasurably better for you to do that. Um, I read a couple weeks ago uh, of a 22-year-old woman um, there in Lawrence, Massachusetts. This woman, uh, 22 years old, had lived in a shelter for some time. And finally getting her life on track, uh, she and her uh, twin daughters, two years old, moved into an apartment. And uh, there was one day that they uh, had pulled up to the house and she ran into the house really quickly to grab something. All the while her twins, her twin girls are buckled in the back seat. And as she's coming down her apartment stairs, she realizes that the car somehow has gone into gear and is beginning to go backwards into traffic. This mom runs in the back of her car, get this, true story, lays herself out as a speed bump in the back of this car to stop them. Um, the reports said that uh, people called her a heroine. Uh, they, they were saying that this woman is a heroine. She's an amazing woman to do such a thing. And her remark said, you know what, I'm not a heroine, I'm, I'm a mother. I'm a mother. She, she was willing to forsake everything. She, she was willing to give up her very life for the daughters that she loves. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, are you willing to lay yourself out in the back of the proverbial car that will run you over and cause you major injury? Are you willing to sacrifice everything? Are you willing to give it up for me? Are you willing to be a living sacrifice? 
Are you willing to forsake the temporal things of this world to give your life over to the one true and the living God? That's Paul's message to us this morning. That ought to be our lives. Is that your story? Is your story one in which you are being a living sacrifice to God? Sacrificing everything for Him. Giving over your whole self to Him. If it's not, do you know that you can begin that today? You can begin that today. If you're looking for something other than the one true and the living God, it will always leave you empty. Secondly, if you're really to live... If you're really to live for more than you, and if I'm really to live for more than me, we're to offer ourselves for the good of others. We're to offer ourselves for the good of others. Paul goes from saying, be a living sacrifice to God, to saying in verse 3, look at this with me. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned. Paul says, don't get the big head because I know that you have a tendency to do that. That's what he's saying. Uh, I love what this theologian, J. Denny, said this. Listen to this. To himself, every man is in a sense the most important person in the world. And it always needs much grace to see what other people are and to keep a sense of moral proportion. Hear what Denny is saying. None of us need assistance in, when it comes to thinking uh, more highly of ourselves. We've got that down. None of us need help with thinking about ourselves. We've got it. But look at what Paul does. He tells them that they're, they're one body. But then in verse 6, he goes on to list different gifts. Look at verse 6 with me. It says this in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to grace given to us... Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if serving in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Do you see these gifts? Do you see these? Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leading, and acts of mercy. Get this. All of these gifts point outward. None of these gifts point inward. Yet all of these gifts point outward. See, through our natural tendency, it is to be more concerned with ourselves than it is to be concerned with others. Our natural tendency is to be self-serving, narcissistic, self-consuming kinds of people. But Paul is clearly saying that the Christian that is marked by Jesus Christ, their life is one that is more concerned with others rather than themselves. We are to be living sacrifices to God in that same breath, using our gifts that were graciously given to us to bless others. The life of the believer ought to be the one that is looking for opportunities to be a blessing to other people. If you're not asking, how can I use my gifts to serve others? You may want to question where you stand with the Lord. If that is not one of your questions on how you can use what God has gifted you with to be a blessing to others, you, you may want to question your stance with God. 
For some of us, this is a reality check because we've used our gifts for everything but benefiting others. We've only used our gifts to to consume and to get more wealth and to build more kingdoms, to build more house, to build more car. And what Paul is showing us here is that our gifts ought to focus outward rather than inward. That's what he's challenging us with. And so often we have perverted the gifts that we did nothing to receive anyway. Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't live that way. Lastly, um, if we're really to live for more than ourselves, we're to offer ourselves for the good of the church. Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. Verse 5 says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. I love this. In a couple verses, Paul debunks this whole idea of, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. Paul debunks that whole idea because you know what Paul says? Paul says, you were not intended to exist on your own. You, you need one another. And in so many words, you belong to one another as believers in faith. You, you, you are connected to one another. I love what Paul is doing here because he makes it clear to us that there is diversity in the body. Everybody doesn't have the same gifts. There's diversity, but yet there is unity. We are different, but yet we are unified under the banner of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Paul says, yeah, you are different. Yeah, you may even come from different places. Yeah, you may be good at different things, but you are to be unified under the banner of Jesus Christ. And he shows us that yes, there are different parts as in the body. Just like in the body, there are different parts. There's different members, but yet we make up one body. He communicates to us that, yeah, we can be different, but on the other hand, we are the same. Yet apart from the body, members have no meaning. (laughs) Apart from the body, we don't have... And that's one of the reasons why um, so often we hear this whole idea of, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church... Um, Paul would throw that out the window. Uh, He's telling us here that you can essentially not have meaning without the body. You're just a member, and a member has no meaning without the body. An arm means nothing without the rest of the body. A leg means nothing without the rest of the body. We need one another. We need one another. And so often we see ourselves as Christians in some silo. And Paul would debunk that whole idea. See, there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christianity. There's, there's no such thing as, um, I can handle this on my own. Uh, I can read my Bible on my own and I'll be just fine. I don't need the church. Paul saying, oh yes you do. You, you, you need the church, and not only do you need the church, God has specifically gifted you in ways that the church needs to benefit from. So you need the church, and the church needs you. 
That's how the body works. Um, it, it's crazy to me that, um, man, I, we got a lot of babies, and so it's one of my favorite things to go and visit our little ones in the hospital and just hold them and love on them and pray over them. It's one of my favorite things. But, you know, as a dude that's not married with no kids, I'm learning a lot of stuff from y'all. Y'all are teaching me some things. Um, all, you know, from the developmental process to, um, man, look, the, the soft spots and what that means. Um, all this amniotic fluid stuff. Um, colostrum. I, I've been learning some things. I mean, all of this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, all the single dudes come holler at me. I got some game to put you on um, so you can be prepared. I've been learning all these things, but what I've learned is that there are so many different pieces that come to play to make up this little baby boy or this little baby girl, this beautiful child. There's so many things that happen and so many parts and members that have to come together to make up this beautiful child. And that's Paul's message, is that you need the church, the church needs you, and you are all individually tailor-made for the benefit of the body and for the body to benefit from you. The body is not what it needs to be without the believers coming together, corporately praying, corporately confessing, corporately worshiping together. You need the church more than you think you do. You, you need the church. And Paul is helping us to unpack those ideas. One of the primary ways that we ought to live for more than ourselves is because Jesus modeled it for us. Jesus was obedient to His Father in going to the cross of Calvary. He gave up His life in obedience to His Father. He was buried and He rose again. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to live and I'm going to die for something much greater than myself. And that's exactly what Paul is calling us to. Paul is calling us this morning, downtown church, he's calling you into this life that is exteriorly focused, that is focused on more than you. You are not the most important thing that walks on this earth. And we're so easily self-consumed when Paul says, God has graced us with these gifts to be outward. God has asked us to be a living sacrifice so that we can magnify His glory to the world. And God has called us into being a part of the church so that we can give to the church, so that the church can benefit from the gifts that God has graced us with. All because of what Jesus did for us. And what Jesus says is, all you who are weary, come. I'll take you. Come. If you're weary, if, if you're burdened, come. You don't have to live for yourself. You don't have to pattern your life after the things of this world, but be a living sacrifice for, for me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come if you're weary. Amen? And I love this message from Paul because he shows us that it's not just about this heavy doctrine 
so that we can walk around as little theologians. But Paul says, now live. Now live. Now live. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is true. Thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you, God, that you are sovereignly in control of all things. Lord, you are in control of a little child like Ames. You are in control of how we are saved. You are in control of the circumstances that some of our people face even this morning. And would you show your power in hearts and lives this morning, God. Lord, I pray that if there are some here that have not come to the the reality that they are broken and in need of a Savior, I pray that you would allow them to be restless until they come to the foot of the cross. Father, I pray that you would break hearts for the same that breaks your heart. That minds would be made up to serve the one true and the living God. Lord, I pray that we would live, that we would live, and that we would live as living sacrifices for you. Now, God, I pray that you would bless these gifts that we're about to receive. Thank you for what you have given us. It all belongs to you, God. And I pray that we would give it back with hearts of thankfulness, with gratefulness, because all that we have, it belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen.